Hi, it's Jeff and Paul here, and you can probably tell by the background noise that we are back live in a real, real English pub. And it's lovely, isn't it? It's, it's gorgeous. Lovely. It's a lovely day. It's a bit cold, a bit windy, but and we're outside because we're still not allowed inside. But still, we have a real pint of beer, or did have, finished it now, <laughs> uh, and a pint of cider in our hands. And we had a great time talking about cameras on, cameras off. So, welcome back to a real in-person Agile podcast. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, we will see you again soon. Cheers. Play the jingle. I bought Jeff a mystery, mystery pint. Need mm. to know what it is. We're in a, let's say where we are first, and I can explain the pint. A oh, good point. Yeah. So we are now face to face in. Uh, in Bristol, in the Harbourside area, Redcliffe, this is the, a pub called the Ostrich, um, and it's a, uh, a Buckcomb pub. Which is, and Buckcomb is a that's a local brewery, isn't it? I think it's a very, very big, popular brewery now. Yeah. <coughs> in fact, I think it might have even been bought out. Has it? I think it's been bought out recently by one of the bigger ones. But I might be wrong. Let me tell you what I bought. So, you're, Jeff, you're drinking Buckham Stateside IPA, which is 4.2% ABV, mm-hmm. a punchy session IPA made from the best of American and English hops, a refreshing t- transatlantic mar- marriage of citrus, resinous aromatics, and multi bite uh, with a hoppy, hoppy finish. I would punchy's a good word, actually. Is that, and is that, is punchy a good thing? Yeah. In a what, drink? In, in, in what way? Like, it's like. Describe what you mean by punchy. So, someone who doesn't doesn't. I'll say zingy. It's got so a bit my, zest. the first thing that came to me, well, but not fruity. Not fruity. A non-fruity zing. <clears throat> okay. That's the best way of describing it. <clears throat> it's not. It's, it is quite cold. Probably colder than I think it should be. Should be. Yeah. But which can limit the, the flavours a little bit. But yeah, I mean there is a little bit of confirmation bias going on here. But it does. You know, I, I would have said it was an IPA definitely. And I would have said it was probably somewhere between uh, sort of an, an English and American one. So the fact that it's mixed English and American hops makes sense. But I might just be drinkable. Saying that. Is it, oh yeah, it nice yeah, yeah. session ale. Oh, I think it will get more drinkable as it becomes. I would say room temperature, but not quite because we're not in a room. No. But yeah, for those of you that can't see us, we are actually outside by. Is that a river or a canal? It's is uh, it the River Avon. It's the yeah, it's the river, isn't it? I think it must be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. In Bristol. Beautiful, beautiful. It's beautiful. A sunny beautiful day. day. Not particularly warm. No, but at, beautiful. We're at, it's May, mm-hmm. so we're having a very odd April May, aren't we, in this country, yeah. which is sunny but cold. So. You've got the classic situation where, where parents are walking by, their kids are wearing shorts or dresses, and the parents are wearing coats, hats, and gloves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's quite unusual. But um, it's yeah. just nice to be back at at an establishment so other good. than our, our house and our gardens. So I'm drinking a stateside IPA, and you're drinking some I'm kind drinking. of orange squash. <laughs> very, it's, very um, diluted. It's my favourite. It's Thatcher's. It's Thatcher's haze, um, with a little dash of lemonade in it. A dash? You sure? Yeah. Looks more nice. like lemonade with a dash of cider to me. But it's nice. <clears throat> but it's it's um, it's refreshing. I was thirsty, so I'm having a thirst quencher. Mm. Good, good. But yeah, that's a pretty good picture on the on the old iPhone there, which because I've actually damaged the first time I've ever damaged one of my phones. Oh, I'm not see not it. on the front. Oh, on the back. One of the lenses is damaged. Obviously, it's not using that because it's not the front-facing camera. But 
Yeah, the first time ever I've damaged it. It's a good few years old, this one now. But How did you do that? I don't know, actually. I don't, I, I'm going to blame it on the toddler. <laughs> because he has been taking excuse. my phone, mine, mine, <laughs> and running off with it, <laughs> thinking it's funny, and then just throwing it. But <clears throat> I'm not one of these... But I, I don't have a screen protector. I don't have a, um, a case either. I just carry it around. I like the feel of the... The actual phone. Yeah. You do leave yourself open to that kind of damage, don't you? But they, it's a good day for cameras on, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, I think I'm a lot more comfortable with it now. I'm. A, I'm a lot less conscious of it when you say cameras on, but in terms of work stuff. So I was doing. That's just a phrase now, isn't it? Cameras on for me. Sorry. It's become part of the lexicon. Yeah, it's just one of those phrases. You're on mute. Cameras on. <laughs> I still get people that can't, don't, it doesn't work and they can't understand why it doesn't work. What? Putting, turning the camera on yeah. doesn't work? Like, yeah. a, like a peripheral thing, they don't understand why their camera's not working. Do you think, it, do you think that's And that's case? immensely frustrating. I, I think, I think it genuinely is. It's certainly the case yesterday, I had it yesterday, and there was a little bit of uncomfortable kind of waiting for someone to discover that, because you think it's a bit more obvious, and, and one, someone else on the call said, just checking, is there a button in the top bottom left that says, has it got a red line through mm. it saying camera off? Just to make sure it's not something obvious, which again sounds a little bit patronising, but I think in this case, genuinely, it was that something wasn't working properly. Mm. But um, yeah, I, it was just really odd because it, it, it was a call, there was five of us on it, and one person didn't have their camera on. Mm. And was that through choice or through technical Through technical problems. Through technical problems. I did, um, I was. I was speaking at a, a conference yesterday, yeah. and um, you know, over 200, 250 people or something, and the cameras, <coughs> cameras there. But in the chat, I was chatting to a couple of people, a little bit, you know, trying to recreate some of the um, sort of hallway conversations, you know, okay. bar conversations type things, yeah. little private Slack messages in the group or what have you. And then he says, yeah, 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 I'm really busy, really busy today, I'm here. But you know, I've got my camera off so people can't see that I'm multitasking. I said, "Well, you're at a conference, mate. You know? oh. No one's really paying that much attention to you if you're an attendee." No yeah. offense. Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't really do that if I'm speaking. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was it's a big, big topic. Something that I get asked a lot about is how do you get people to turn their cameras on because people don't want to. It seems to be a massive, massive thing for people. Do you get that? Less. I think less now. I think it's become more of a, a, a conversation people are prepared to have. Um, I know some companies that have literally mandated it, they've said by default, they've literally broadcast and said yeah. by default as a company we are cameras on. Mm. Unless you've got a very good excuse your cameras should be on for, your, for any meeting you're in. Okay. How well does that go down? I think well, nobody vocalised you know, any any um, any. Well, this this was a private company, and I was teaching them a course, so they were they all turned up straight away. Cameras were on, and they were fine with it because. But they were quite an open company. But I think um, I can imagine it might be quite difficult for. Uh, I notice it more on meetups. Meetups are harder, um, and it's perhaps less. You can't really force it there. That is that's purely a no, choice. It's a voluntary thing, isn't it? I think forcing it is um it's a really dangerous dangerous area. I, I had um I did a workshop 
for an organisation on retrospectives recently, and you know sent people off into breakout rooms and to do a little bit of exercises and things. And um, while I was in one of the breakout rooms, only one of the people had their cameras on, two or something like that. And they asked me about this. Look, this is just standard. People just don't put it. Really frustrates me. Why it just reduces the amount of bandwidth, it reduces the amount of trust, it reduces the amount of collaboration, um, it really just reduces the effectiveness of all the meetings we have, especially things like retrospectives. How do you get people to turn their cameras on? And I said, Well, I'm not being funny, but I think that says more about, and I get that because you know, if I'm facilitating, but even, even when I'm talking at a conference, I know certain things go through my mind, my, but they're, own, they're my own insecurities. Are people listening? Are people there? What are people yeah. saying about me? You know, are people yeah, that's writing fair. notes in class about me? You know, that kind of thing. And it's all going through my own insecurities. And I said, doesn't that really say more about us as facilitators than, than those people? Um, yeah, possibly. And you know, if, if we're really worried about it, let's put more of our energy into working out what would make that a no-brainer for people than worry about how do I convince them to do it. No, I don't want, I don't want people to put their camera... I, if I had the choice, I absolutely would. If there was a button there that said everyone wants to put their cameras on, I would push that button. All right? Yeah. I would, because I think it is a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, not completely, but I'll come back to that. Um, the <clears throat> but what I don't want is I don't want people to put their cameras on because they feel they have to. I don't really, as a rule, I don't want anyone to do anything just because they have to. I don't want to want to do stuff. That's kind of a general thing for me. And I, do you well, then, what, what's different situation there? So I'm coming at this from a, as a, not, not let's let's be de- um, deliberate on this. Not a facilitator, but as a trainer. Yeah. Where you have a duty to, and me as an example, and you as an example, we are certified trainers. We have to part of our mandate as a trainer is to ensure that people are actively participating yeah <clears throat> can you realistically assess active participation without a camera well this is going to sound very picky but there are two things i've got with that question one is just because i've got the camera on does that mean i can guarantee that they're actively participating and secondly does actively participating actually mean they're learning not necessarily. So there are other ways that I can ensure, when, I, when I'm training, and I don't do a lot of it, but when I'm training, my, my goal, I think, is to is to make sure that the learning objectives have been met. People have got what they've come from. Mm. Not that they're necessarily participating, because they could be participating and not learning. I'd rather have them learn and not participate out of the two. Um, but equally, just by having their camera on doesn't guarantee that they're going to participate. So there yeah, are different ways that I can check that. If, yeah. if checking it is important to me, there are different ways that I can check. I could give them a test afterwards. I could have a one-to-one conversation with them afterwards. I could get them to to do a uh, like a, an essay debrief on what they got from the course. Yeah. Um, lots of different ways that I can check that without them actually participating. And if they don't want to participate, again, my first thought is I haven't set that well enough for them to want to participate or feel safe to participate. Do you remember we did it? We did um we did a crossover episode not long after the first lockdown. With who? We've done so many. Uh, with um, we were talking about trainers. Two of the PSTs. Uh, Bubs, was it? No. Yes, Jeff and Jeff. Yeah, Jeff and Jeff. Jeff and Jeff. Jeff, yeah. Jeff, Jeff. Um, that's it. And they had a rule which was, you know, unless you've got good bandwidth and you're good enough to have your camera on without interruption, 
then you can't come because you would reduce the quality of interaction and learning for everybody else. And I get that. But we also had a conversation about how that's quite a privileged stance yes, to take. It's, yeah, it's discriminating against people that don't have bandwidth. Yeah, and there's lots of reasons why <coughs> I might not feel comfortable saying I'm not comfortable having my camera on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So there's, there's lots of reasons why I might not be comfortable having my camera on, but there's also reasons why I might not be comfortable saying I'm not comfortable because of what it implies. Mm. Yeah? Um, we had a great, a great thing the other day. Um, so one of my... Um, so I've got this little clubhouse thing that I've got, and we had a, we had a session with Stuart, and what you were there, so I'm telling you, you know this. You might have dropped out, but no, I was there. Lloyd, you know, the camera was on. I was there. Yeah, the camera's on. So, so, so Lloyd, one of one of our guys, he's, he's, he regularly joins, and yeah. his, his screen name is Rachel, which is his daughter. <laughs> and Stuart doesn't know this. We know this because is it always Rachel? Whenever well, you, pretty much. Okay, yeah. whenever he signs in. Yeah, um, and we know this, so we know not to call him Rachel. Sometimes we call him Rachel as a joke, but Stuart didn't know this. He just said Rachel. <laughs> uh, and Lloyd said, oh, I'm, I'm Lloyd, I'm not Rachel. At which point, Rachel puts her face in front of the screen and says, I'm Rachel! His daughter's here, hilarious. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. She is a star in the making. <laughs> and Lloyd said, yeah, she's well known of jumping into my, into my cause now. <laughs> I just think that's brilliant. It is, yeah. I absolutely think that's brilliant. Um, no, I don't know where I was going with that. But, no, for some, but if, if people are fearful that that might happen, mm. that might be a reason mm. that they don't want... They're trying to exclude what's going on behind them from, and I can absolutely uh, empathise with that. Uh, but I, uh, my point is, I think that as this pandemic's gone on, and, and as um, we've become more accustomed to having to deal with it, because we sit, you see it on television, you see it on the media of, of you know politicians trying to work at home when their kids walk yeah. into shop, their cats walking across their keyboard and all these things so we're used to it we're not surprised by it anymore and I think it just makes us all a bit more human when we see it I've seen more than my fair share of cat buttholes <laughs> over the last 12 years tails walking yeah, across yeah. the screen but no we do we do things become more normalised we can become more comfortable with it we become more desensitised to some of the stigma and actually over time a lot of the quite often our unconscious assumptions and fears about it are alleviated just through doing and, and practicing and observing yeah. and seeing that you know what the worst doesn't happen um, I said it's not always a good thing I did say that didn't I so I get I just yesterday my talk was on simplicity yeah and um, one of the things I talked about was from a coaching perspective I actually came up with a new word last night which I wish I could have created a new word. I did. By contact. Okay. Right. Because you, when you, if I'm, we're now, we're looking at each other. We're looking at each other's eyes, right? But when, when we're on a screen, I might be looking at your eyes, but you don't know that I'm looking at your eyes, and you're not looking at my eyes. You're looking at the camera. And I, what I find is, I actually, I spend more time looking at myself. Yeah. On the screen. So we don't have this bi-directional eye contact or by contact that you would normally have. Um, and so it's kind of false anyway. You don't really get that connection that you, you say we get the, be the better bandwidth, but you're not really getting the rapport building of it. Anyway, a slight digression. Because the main thing is around simplicity. And so, you know, from a coaching perspective, sometimes I find myself trying to overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. you know, just in a one to one session, just forget about listening and just active listening and think oh I'm, I'm going I'm to use some fancy sexy coaching tool here or some <laughs> fancy you know I need to earn my stripes you know yeah. 
prove my worth as a coach and show them what I what I what I'm made of. Um, and it always almost always is less effective than if I just go back to basics. But going even further back to basics, some of the one-to-one coaching that I did with a client last um, so towards the end of the summer, especially when it was really really hot. Do you remember that really hot period yeah. we had heat? Yeah. Being in my shed in the afternoon was just horrendous. We um, some of the some of the people that I was coaching said, so fed up with Zoom. I said, well, how about we just go back to like a phone call? So I stuck my AirPods in, and they stuck their headphones on, and they took their dog for a walk, and I went out for a walk, and we just had our coaching session. We couldn't see each other, and I found myself listening a lot more intently mm. than I would have been if we'd have had the cameras on, mm. and the movement and just being outside added an extra dimension. I think that actually cameras off can force us to focus a lot more on the important stuff. And I think some degree our desire for cameras on is kind of an excuse, a coping mechanism for to hide our insecurities. Okay. On that so I'm gonna throw another example in there because what you said there made me think about something I did an improv class yesterday. And one of the um, well-known improv games is one-word storytelling. We did yep. one-word storytelling yesterday. And like I said from the beginning, one person didn't have a camera that was working. Mm. So we've got five people, one yep. person, camera off. So we just we have to use our ears. So one-word storytelling is a listening game. If you've never played it before, basically the group of people in a circular fashion tell a story, but tell it one word at a time. You've got to listen intently mm. for the word. So we had the added dimension that what two of the five were not uh, native English speakers. Okay. So, and one of those didn't have a camera was working. So you don't right. have okay, yeah. visuals, you've pu- purely got audio, and you've got someone who's perhaps, whose English isn't strong mm. as the other three, mm. or the other four. And for the benefit of the tape, Paul is now talking with his hands as well. I am using Which I hands. can see. Which right. you can't. Which with the camera's off, you can't. Yes. Go on. So. Um, we're trying to play one word storytelling and what I find myself doing even though this doesn't make any difference is I was trying to listen by putting my uh, you can't see on the camera but I'm putting my ear (laughs) closer to my computer which of course then completely is terrible if you're looking at me I'm doing this yeah I don't want to see it inside you don't want to see it inside my ear but for some reason I found that easier because that's, I suppose, muscle memory. It's I'm trying to get my ear closer to something I'm listening to, but I'm less focused on eye contact. Yeah. And I notice other people doing it as well. So it's, it's an interesting when you when you force listening. And I think it's some. I also noticed it as well when you squint. You notice sometimes you squint when you're listening. Yeah. So that's to reduce mm. your eye, your your vision, your vision. to try and. and amplify your, your hearing more yeah. so it's interesting things like that I think and it comes back to a point you mentioned there around you're conscious of yourself mm. not many not many people know this but there is a, a setting in zoom that you can switch off self view so basically I read something around zoom fatigue saying that a lot of people get are much more conscious of what they're looking at themselves not looking mm. at everyone else and they're conscious of what they look like on screen so you can it's, a, it's hard to find but there is a setting in Zoom you can select that off and apparently that helps so then you become less conscious of what your people are seeing from yeah. you you're more just focused on what people you're looking at other people yeah 
I, I, that's something I'm going to do a lot more of, actually. Hide yourself? Yes. Um, I do. It's not because I like looking at myself. I think it's a self-conscious thing. It's I think you're right. Because am, I, am I looking silly? Have I done something? Is something else in shot? Is someone going to think I'm unprofessional or whatever? And I've seen a lot of that in terms of online training that um, and I'm not discrediting any of the trainers that, that do the same job as, as you and I and they've made a professional, very professional job of it but they've, their camera view is their, is their shop window so True. When, they're, when they're selling a course or when they're promoting a course they've got their kind of logo green screen behind them and they might have them perfectly central in, in mm. frame and I think for on demand video style training absolutely you that's you want that kind of professional image but personally speaking I've never I mean I am conscious that things I haven't got you know the laundry dirt being done yeah, behind yeah. me but I'm I'm equally I'm less because I used to put um, uh, posters up and stuff behind me to make it look like you know, this is the professional mm. but I don't do that anymore I've become mm. much more com comfortable with an office background rather than just I don't green screen I don't I don't hide it at all so. but yeah I think I can see that a lot of um, trainers in our area would want to make that look like a very clean professional image yeah I have to say for me I think maybe it's just because this has been the front of my mind recently anyway on a number of different topics it's a, it comes back to trust yeah and don't get me wrong I've got teenage kids who have been homeschooling, and I've been I've been learning the tricks of people you know, taking a screenshot or a, you know a, a creating a looped GIF <laughs> and putting that as their virtual background, really, so they can disappear and, what, and look like they're like they're working. So I'm aware that you know, there are there are tricks that can be played, but ultimately there, there's a there's a starting with do we trust do we trust our people? You know, do we trust that they want to do a good job? And if we don't, then we're going to be worried, we're going to be suspicious. Um, and if we do, then we don't really need to worry too much about what's, what's going on. I'd, you mentioned something a while ago, I think, this idea of a, how important it is to have a check-in. Yeah. Certainly at the start. Just, I mean, we've always been fans of check-in anyway, but even more so when you're virtual, because there's so much going on. <clears throat> yeah. And... Um, I was thinking about whether we should have like a maybe just almost like a middle ground, you know, almost like a a short time boxed period of cameras on, and then if you want cameras off, go cameras off. But just come in, say hi, have a look around, mm -hmm. get the curiosity out of the way, put a face to a name, look each other in the eye. This is what's going on behind yeah, me right is, now. This is this is me. This is where I am, um, and now I'm just gonna be cameras off. I think we are inherently nosy as well, so we, I think part of us, you, you mentioned around trust and being self-conscious, but I think there's an element of, it's interesting, I'm, I'm, yeah, when you can see a lot going on in the background, it's like, oh, that's, that's interesting, I see you've got you know, some, some vinyl there. What trying you, to read the books on the yeah, shelf, aren't you? Yeah, and you're, you're trying to say, you into, what time of music you into? And you, we are, I think, so I can see that some people just wouldn't want people to, to poke into their lives and just, just, go, just leave that behind. Do you still change the message on your whiteboard? No, I don't do that anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, for those of you who might have been on a Zoom call with me, I've got a whiteboard in the background. 
which makes it I've, like it's, it's a prop mainly. I never very rarely use it. There's a few post-its on it, but I used to write little messages on it for um, for Jeff or Nigel if we were signing into a call, just to see if anyone noticed what was written on the on, in the background. This is um, this is an aside, but it's where I, this is where my mind went thinking you could put some messages on there. So you know, it, if you're reading this, piss off you nosy. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's, that, that then led my mind to this um, this thing that I saw about how um, a really good way to um, get your <clears throat> sort of get your own back, if you like, on um, some really frustrating person at work or something, is to write some really rude words in your email reply, but then turn them in white ink <laughs> so you can't see them. You know that. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. ever see them. Um, that sense of just getting your own back. Anyway, that's, that's a complete aside. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, that, that starting with trust thing, I think, is a big thing. And I think the, a lot of the, I've said this before, I mean, the organisations that have really more than just survived the yeah. pandemic, but have actually done okay, done well, are the ones that really did believe in the positive side of human nature. Mm. Uh, actually believed in what they were saying about we value our people, we trust our people, we empower our people. Because they were forced to put their money where their mouth was. And the organisations that didn't have regressed. Mm. You know, they put in tracking software or... Um, but you told me that was a Zoom feature, wasn't it? Didn't Zoom have a tracking feature? It used to be. That was one of the, the big um, problems that people had. I think they had to remove it in the first few versions of Zoom where you could basically track active screen time so if people um, scrolled off from a, the active if Zoom was no longer the active window you could it was basically Big Brother you could you kind of watch what people were doing on their machines at home but it was removed due to um, for obvious reasons well I'd like to think that they uh, they realized it it was it had um, unintended uses I don't think that was the intention no. behind it and they realised that uh, it was a it was an unhelpful feature of collaboration. So, oh, going back to this, sorry, going all the way back to this person I was having a conversation with about this in this retrospective workshop. Um, she said it's a, she's really big thing. Said, yeah, is it bigger for you than big for them? Yeah. yeah. And um, she said, just doesn't just doesn't work. All right, retrospectives just don't work if you have your cameras off. And I said, I can completely where you come, you know, I know where you're coming from, and if I had the choice, I would do that. But can you imagine a scenario where you could have a retrospective, everybody's camera was off, and it was still successful? And she said, no, I can't imagine that scenario. I said, okay. If I told you that I'd been a part of one, would you believe me? And she says, I'd give you the benefit of the doubt, but I'd be suspicious. <laughs> so, okay, all right. all right. We don't really know each other very well. I said, well, let me put it another way then. If you had a team of blind people, could you have a successful retrospective? Yeah. And she said, yeah, uh, 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 I suppose so. Um, and that idea of, well, uh, we've sort of that privilege again, isn't it? We have the privilege of sight, we have the privilege of cameras, but yeah, it's not a necessity. Um, and that um, this idea of remote first, you know, the first thing that most organisations did was try and replicate the physical office in an yeah. online environment, rather than designing for a remote first work. 
Um, and I think back to some of my experiments, my, my attempts at trying to facilitate meetings, this is before the pandemic, with remote teams, trying to run retrospectives where people weren't present. You know, and I give myself some credit saying, well, I didn't really know any better, and I did the best that I could. Um, but trying to put, you know, I, got, I put pictures of people in the room in empty seats mm. so that they weren't forgotten. Yeah. Um, and that was the best that I could do. I thought it was the best I could do at the time. I'm sure I could do better now. But that sense of, well, are we actually thinking, designing for the least, the lowest level of bandwidth? Because the others that have more capacity can catch up. Mm. Or they should be adapted. And it reminds me of what you said about um, the comedy store players when they have a guest. Yeah. It's a similar thing, right? Yeah. You've got someone coming into an established team who know the routine, who know the, the environment, who know who are very comfortable with things. They've got all the bandwidth, they've got all the in-jokes, they've got all the banter and the history and stuff, and you've got someone completely new. You don't expect them to, 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 to match up and, and meet you where you are. Yeah. You meet them where they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's really, that's a sign of, you know, I see that in really good teams. I see that in really good organisations. And it's not a patronising thing, it's not a, you know, it's not a... Um, a paternalistic type thing it's a genuine this is the best result for us so I, I think you're right I think so this came up a, a while back with a different someone was mentioning we're talking about a conversation with, with a group of different people you heard of discord yes so now I've never used it but I've heard again people that have dropped not 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 completely but I prefer occasionally using discord just because it's a more natural conversation it's purely audio there's no video element mm. but zoomed and teams does very subtle things on um, for clarity it's to try and mute microphones or, or, or curb microphone sound when one per person is speaking mm. so it's clearer for other people which makes sense but that does make it a, a le much less natural audio conversation mm -hmm. apparently I've not used it but discord is is purely it's just open bandwidth it's yeah. open that was one thing that, that stood out for me and um, I was going to mention something else that just gone oh the other thing you used to say about can you do retrospectives I think it would be a really I've not tried this but he, I'm doing a remote completely um, audio only retrospective if you've got a tool that you can see on screen uh, but you can't see each other. I think that would be. I think that's completely possible mm. with visual tools like Miro and Mural. You've got that bandwidth, and it made me think of something we've talked about years back, but have never done it. Which is in London. Isn't there a, a restaurant that's completely in the dark? Yeah. Have you been there? Ever been there? Haven't. No. But that you think, well, how can that work? But it must work because it's a business. And it heightens your senses. And it heightens your senses. So I think. You, you wouldn't open a restaurant if people weren't going to talk to each other in the dark mm. because you have to talk to each other in the well, dark. Well, that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it forces you to um, focus less on what people are, look like and what, they do, what they're doing, but more on what they're saying and, and how they're saying it. So I think there is a, a, an element of a beauty to that, a, a benefit to that, rather than seeing it as a, as a drawback. I'll throw a different, a different perspective on, on the whole uh, multitasking thing and say that I know that I do get tempted to multitask. Bit of a bit of a type A person. Don't like dead time. Like don't like waste. Like to get on with things. And if I sense there's an opportunity for me to do two things at once, then I tend to find myself doing it before I realise. Yeah. But actually, if I know that I'm on camera, 
there's a little bit of social pressure on me not to do that. Mm. Um, and that's, I think if I'm honest with myself, I think that's a helpful thing. But if I'm not aware of it, then I might avoid it. Yeah. I had one guy on a call, on a course. He was very open at the beginning. He said, look, just to explain my setup at home. He basically walked us through his camera setup. So he's got, I've got my iPad here mm. or whatever. I think I've got, I've got you looking at you on my iPad, but I've got my machine here. So if it looks like I'm looking at this terminal, it's because I'm looking at your mirror board. Okay. I'm not, I'm not doing something else. He was basically saying, this is how I'm going to look. Yeah. It might not look like I'm looking at the camera, but I am working with you. So. Maybe just, genuine rather than a double yeah, bluff. Yeah, I think it was genuine. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's uh, for me. That's also you might mention about remote checking. I think that could be a nice thing to just to explain. I had one woman who's basically said, "If you hear the washing machine come on, it's because I'm sat in the same room as the washing machine." Just that's just her setup at home. She was basically working. Her office was a utility at yeah. room at home. So, just telling people where you are and what's going on around you. Yeah. Just perhaps increases that level of safety and people can can um, can empathize with you a little bit more about what if you do have to turn your camera on mm. I know the lady that said I've got a sick daughter today she's off school so if I have to turn my camera off it's not because I'm not listening or watching it's because I've had to deal with my daughter who needs my attention so again it's and it, I, I do feel a little bit like people have to are justifying it but um, Equally, I think it's quite nice that you people feel confident enough to share their what's going on, their yeah. habitat, what's going on at home for them at the moment. I did see, um, I saw a really funny thing. This is, we might bleep this out, I don't know. <laughs> I did see a funny thing from one team recently, which, and it was their own working agreements, right? It wasn't yeah. a company wide thing, it was just a team thing. Uh, and they said, it, it was a, like a, poster that they had as part of their, their team working canvas and it said your smartphone is like your genitals if you're playing with it in the meeting you will be asked to leave I like that on this note I mean I, we, we are far and away not the experts on this topic no you know I mean there's some, some really good people out there who this is something that they specialise in and you know um, um, Mark Kilby, Johanna Rothman did some did a great stuff, great book on this. Um, uh, Kirsten Clacy, J. Allen Morris, who Esther recommended. Okay. In our prestigious pint, I actually got the chance to go to their session yesterday. Okay. Part of the conference that I was speaking at, brilliant. They they've done a great book, and equally they've got some some free um, Google slides, which are great templates that they share with people to use in meetings to help the remote facilitators. Um, Malud Zaccarelli, Remote Forever, does great stuff on, on, on remote. That's been her thing for years. So there's loads and loads of good stuff out there. Um, but I, th I think it all comes down to trust and communication, doesn't it? Just mm. having that conversation. Like you said, that, that guy just explained, this is my setup. Mm. I think that's just brilliant. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just to, especially if it's the first time you've met someone um, online or whatever. Mm. But um, I, do a, I do a lot of my... It's e in some respects it's easier and this is just one of the benefits of having Zoom is that so I've got a little um, piece on my website basically people can book 15 minutes of my time mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure you've done something similar on yours but basically you can say no, no obligation just to chat see, just to see if there's anything I can do to help 
15 minutes, but they can basically coordinate their diary with mine. Yep. There's no awkward conversation. There's no cold call, which I think mm. a lot of people are, are quite fearful of. I don't, well, it's just me, but I don't get many phone calls these days because I think a lot of people are just organising that, that kind of contact through through Zoom or Teams or whatever. But maybe that's a bad thing. You know, like you said, sometimes a phone call, even though iPhones aren't particularly great at phone calls sometimes, but sometimes we it's quite odd to have a conversation on the phone and we've maybe we've got worse at that mm. maybe I don't think we were particularly brilliant at it either but no. um, I still think it all but it's getting sure it's getting to a situation now which we've talked about this before but there's not going to be many landlines left no can you remember the last time you picked up a landline and made a phone call do you do it at home or do you use a mobile no my landline doesn't work at home doesn't it no. See, that's weird, isn't it? Not really. There was time, <laughs> but that's you know we used to work at BT. Where well, I, grew up, I grew up in a house where I had to, my, my landline at home was a payphone, so if I wanted to phone my friends, I had to pay. <laughs> I just stick fifty p in to speak to my mates. But um, we worked at BT, and as you can imagine, when we started work at BT, every desk had a phone. You, were, yeah. you took pride in the fact I've got a phone number. We have our own direct yeah, yeah. line phone number. It was a status symbol. Wasn't yeah, it? and. Um, and it was like, yeah, I've got, I can program my phone. I've got my number saved in my phone, but it's on my desk. And when my phone's ringing, it's for me. It's important. Look how important I am. When I went to Nokia, no phones. And I was like, I was a bit, hang on a minute. So this, I'm going from BT to Nokia. And I was looking at the desks are all empty. Where's, where's the phone? She said, oh, no, just use your mobile. Obviously, you're, you're working for Nokia. You're all given phones. Yeah. And that was just a complete, I think we're obviously going that way now that there's just no, that the, the uh, the simplicity, the, the clarity you get on a landline telephone is, is, is somewhat disappearing. Mm. Well, that's, yeah, that's, it's, there's, there's, uh, there's the whole technology side of things. So amazingly, you know, our, our network is still quite old fashioned. Yeah. I saw the other day that you know, people are getting spoofed now because caller ID is easy to fake because we don't have IP. Yeah. Voice over IP. And um, also it's a privileged thing, right? My, my, my gran, all right, she's 90 whatever. She uses Netflix and stuff, but she still likes a landline. Yeah. She still doesn't want to speak on a mobile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's not easy for everybody. Just because it's easy for the majority doesn't mean it's easy for no, everybody. No, it's very true. And that's something that's hard to. It's, easy. it's just something that should should be taken into account, right? In these in these days of inclusivity and mm. awareness, um, but it should force, I think, this change in working habits should force an improvement in infrastructure yeah both at a sort of civic local and national government level but also from a company perspective right so like Nokia gave you a mobile if you're going to work for a company they should be providing you the tools it's actually a legal responsibility in this yeah, country um, to provide you the tools to be able to do that and so that should be it'll, it'll take time mm. it'll take time mm. but I think it's going to accelerate it already has accelerated, I'm sure. People have been working again with with a, with a very large national company. Their their leadership team, quite a lot of them, were still working from their bedrooms. Yeah, you know, nine months into pandemic without a desk. Yeah, and you think that's that's something that as a company, I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't want my people to have to deal with. Especially when you consider a lot of um, large companies are going to be saving a lot of money on travel because people aren't moving around Le leasing and and, and uh, ownership of commercial premises which yep. that's 
God knows what's going to happen to all these buildings in London that are going to be empty mm. because you can't see many people going back in, and into, into those offices. So yeah, there's a lot to, a lot of companies have financially saved a lot of this when they should be reinvesting in allowing people the flexibility to work and wherever they are, need to work. A lot of them are. Oh, know, yeah. I, I did a talk with Claire Donald at Agile Mauritius recently about the future of work and some of the stuff that, um, you know, that, that Claire's, Claire's doing and these other companies are doing is, is actually quite exciting. All right, it's probably a little bit science fiction, some of it, but I think some of it is, is amazing and actually will happen, and it will be better off as a, as a society for it. Mm. Anyway, that seems like a positive note to finish, and my yeah, plastic glass is empty. I'm not a big fan of plastic glasses, unnecessarily, for many reasons. No. Well, I'm going to put a little teaser out there and say I might be doing something about that. Hmm. But anyway, that'll do for another day. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Till next time. Cheers.